Welcome to the Gospel Center Prayer Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about why it's taboo to talk about abortion in the church and some of the reasons that pastors give to not talk about it to their congregations. Stick with us. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about abortion, like we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the podcast is about that, pro life issues in light of the gospel. But one of the things that we're going to talk about, and I think hopefully this will be helpful for some pastors and uh, for people in congregations where your pastor maybe is not addressing the issue of abortion or maybe he's not addressing the issue of abortion as much as he ought to. And we're going to talk about why the issue of abortion is taboo Mm -hmm. in the church, for some churches, and even in Christian circles, and why pastors shy away from talking about the issue of abortion. You've got an article there that you uh, that you got five reasons why. What is it? Was it entitled? Right. Well, I have a couple of articles. This one is called <clears throat> "The Most Common Reasons Pastors Give for Not Preaching About Abortion." That's the title, and it, it was written by a pastor. And I'm sorry, I don't have his name. We can find it and post that um, with with our um, with our podcast. Okay. But it lists like 20 um, reasons, common reasons why pastors don't talk about abortion, and um, and so maybe we could just go through them. Yeah. Some of the big What's the ones. other one you have from Focus on uh, the Family? The other one from Focus on the Family is the five fears that keep pastors from preaching about abortion. Okay. And those and are the, like the a lot top of the, five. As I was reading through those, both of those articles, mm-hmm. they had a lot of similarities there. Right. Um, right. Why don't we start with that first, with, with the Focus on the Family one, with the five fears okay. that keep pastors. And, you know, of course, we want to look at these things in light of the Scripture <clears throat> and— uh, in light of what the Bible says and the, the biblical command right. uh, to, to speak for those that can't speak for themselves and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, of course, we're going to come from a perspective of when we th- think about pro-life ministry, we're thinking sidewalk counseling, but there's certainly a broad application. And, um, you know, pastors, I mean, I believe every, every church that is a church, those who believe the Word of God and those who believe Jesus is the way of salvation and that mm-hmm. God is triune, those are mm-hmm. sort of the, the fundamentals. Um, should be talking about the issue of abortion for sure, and uh, but the f- fact is they're not, you know. Yeah. And so uh, they're not, and and my experience <clears throat> in talking with um, pastors is is that they may be willing to support something like a pregnancy resource center, yeah, um, as a church, but less willing to support um, people out on the front lines in a right, sidewalk yeah. Yeah. ministry. Um, and my personal conviction is that. Churches should be out on the sidewalk and yeah. should be supporting what's happening out on the sidewalk um, as well yeah. as the pregnancy resource centers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so anyway, in the in the top five, okay. um, focus on the family. I, I presume did some sort of research and found the the top five reasons given for why pastors are not talking about abortion. So the first one is, and I hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. My congregation will think I'm being political. Congregation will think I'm being political. It's, right. it's like, you know, one of the things I've said to folks um, when they come out on the sidewalk and they wonder where the church is and why their pastor isn't addressing the issue of abortion is that the church has taken the bait of the devil in some ways in that we've allowed abortion to be crafted and, and to be put forth as a political issue. Mm-hmm. And the fact is it's not a political issue. 
It's a gospel issue. Now, there's some politics involved, and, you know, people think about, especially, you know, when we're dealing with the black churches, and you wonder, why, why aren't the black churches out here? And I say, I tell people, I said, because this issue is viewed as a Democrat-Republican issue. Right. And, you know, let's face it, most black churches, the majority of the people there are Democrats, mm-hmm. you know, and they would actually more align with, you know, our beliefs as far as the Bible being the Word of God mm-hmm. and, you know, homosexuality being sin, abortion being mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And yet they've they've allowed, and the church at large has allowed this issue to be deemed as a political issue. And mm-hmm. it's simply not a political issue. Yeah, you got to wonder about that because at the root of the pro-life issue is the value, worth, dignity of human life. Yeah. And that, that was established in the beginning by God yeah. when he says that we are created in his image yeah. and our value is derived from that. And all rights proceed from the right to life. You yeah. can't have any other right if you don't have the right to life. So why that is perceived as a political issue you know, well, there there's a g- great division in our country yeah. politically because of Roe v. Wade yeah, and absolutely. the aftermath of Roe v. Wade. Um, and pastors, I think, are looking at um, at least what, what this article seemed to suggest was that they are looking only at the political outworking of, um, of the abortion issue, but not at the root of the abortion issue. To great detriment. They're yeah. not talking about it. Yeah. There is I this wall of silence. I believe it grieves the heart of God, for sure. I agree. You know, pastors, um, I was a pastor at one time for about almost 10 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I know the heart of a pastor. He wants to shepherd. He wants to protect those who God has put under his care. Um, but part of protecting is addressing these issues that are destructive. And mm-hmm. it, You know, it can kind of... I don't know, with that sensitivity of your heart, you can neglect to speak the truth and uh, and to be, you know, to confront evils because you don't want to drive people away. Right. But the fact is, we have to honor the Lord first, and we have to, you know, if, you know, using the analogy of a shepherd and, she- and a sheep, you know, mm-hmm. if a sheep is has a, has a splinter <laughs> in its hoof or paw, I don't know how that works. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think they pause. I think they, they maybe, whatever. <laughs> Either way, if they have some kind of issue going on there, mm-hmm. the shepherd needs to address it, even though it's going to hurt, you know, bandaging mm-hmm. up a wound, putting a little mm-hmm. bit of antiseptic on a wound, one of your sheep, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. could drive them away, right? Yeah. They could run from you. Yeah. But you know it's the best thing. In right. The, same the worst way. thing you could do is ignore that. Yeah. And we yeah. know that with physical issues. Well, why don't we know that with emotional and spiritual issues? Yeah. The worst thing we can do is pretend the issue doesn't exist and never speak upon it. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as this you know, political thing is concerned, as pastors, we can't let the world dictate to us mm-hmm. what is uh, an issue that we don't talk about and what's an issue that we do talk about. This whole idea, and I think we'll maybe talk about that later on a little bit, the separation between politics and religion. Yeah. You know, if we're believers in Jesus, it's not that we're, you know, if, if our if the chief defining mark of my life is that I'm a Republican, that's a problem. It is. I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus. Right. But I don't just shy away from things that Republicans say and Republicans do just so the world doesn't view me as a Republican first. No, mm-hmm. I, I just speak the truth. And if it happens to line up with Republicans say or what the Democrats say or Libertarians say, then it's the truth. And it's according to God's word. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- 
as far as we're concerned, like being out on the sidewalk at the abortion clinic, <laughs> it's not like we have a Trump flag that we're <laughs> waving out there or we have, you know, people come and sign up, you know, save your baby and come up and, and sign up to vote Republican. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's right. like it's the furthest thing from yeah. um, what our motivation is. It's about yeah. a love for God. Mm-hmm. And I mean, listen. Are we deceived enough to think the Republican Party is the savior of the world? Pfft, in no way. Right. The Republican Party is, is just as culpable, maybe even more, in this abortion holocaust than, than the Democrat Party is in some ways, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, this is just not a political thing. And pastors, you can't let this be from the world telling you how to view this issue. You, you can't let them define this issue for you. This yeah. is a gospel issue. Yeah. We're talking about... The murder of innocent children in our country. And, Made uh, in the image yeah. of a holy God. And, and Satan knows he, he lost when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. So he, he, he couldn't defeat Jesus, but he attacks what he is able to attack, which are the image bearers yeah. of God. And, and that is, I think, again, the root of abortion. Destroy... Um, the idea that society should be protecting those little uh, vulnerable image bearers of God, the unborn child. Yeah. So, all right, should we go on to the second one? Yeah. Second top one is, I do not want to be pegged as a crazy right-wing conservative. Yeah. So that sort of relates to the first one. It does. Again, it's it's the political, that, that abortion is a political issue as opposed to a moral or gospel yeah. issue. But um And you know, the thing is, the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Mm-hmm. When when our life and the, the, the motivation behind the things that we do and the directions that we go in, whether it be as pastors and directing our church to go in this direction or that direction or whatever, and we, you know, the call of God on our lives we can't always have in the back of our mind, well, what's the world going to think? Mm-hmm. You know, certainly the Bible says, let your light so shine before men. We should be a light, and we want to make sure that we're, as best we can, viewed as blameless and and, and that we're not, um, you know, caught up in scandal and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But when we're doing what God has called us to do, the world is going to think that it's crazy. Mm-hmm. They're going to peg you with whatever, whatever term they can. Listen, you can't please the world. You can't please people who don't know God with the things of God. They're just right. not going to understand right. why you're doing. Why are you protecting these zygotes? Why do you why do you stand so strongly against the the you know destruction of zygotes and embryos mm-hmm. or whatever? They just mm-hmm. don't understand because they don't understand the value people that are lost. They don't understand the value of human life. Because when it says here I don't want to be pegged as a crazy white ring white <laughs> Right, right wing. wing. That's a little tongue twister, it is isn't it? A right, um, right wing conservative. By whom? Right. So the yeah. implication is by the world, right? Yeah. By those who are from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is just say, "Well, I'm not that." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and show that you're not that through your actions. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: if if you say that abortion is wrong, and the world wonders, "Okay, well, why do you think it's wrong?" Well, it's because it destroys innocent life. Mm-hmm. 
and then you just leave it there and you don't do anything about it and you don't address the issue from the pulpit, then the world thinks you're a hypocrite. Oh, you think abortion is wrong, but you never talk about it. You don't do anything about it. So you can't please them that way and you can't please them this way. Yeah. All you talk about is abortion. Oh, if you think abortion is wrong, why do you never talk about it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, may as well try to please God. Can't yeah. please everybody. Yeah. May as well try to please the Lord. And also um, the the way the media presents Sidewalk counselors is is what I'm thinking, but but many pro-life people, but especially sidewalk counselors, people out on the sidewalk actively working to promote life and and discourage abortion. They're caricatured in Mm -hmm. in movies, even in some pro-life movies. We're caricatured. (laughs) We are. We are. Um, And and that is sometimes the only view that a pastor or a congregation have because they've never been out to the sidewalk and seen an effective sidewalk ministry like ours. Yeah, <laughs> in plug, action. Shameless plug in, <laughs> in in action, and so they they don't know that the things that they see of angry people, you know, waving flags. Yeah, and, and you know, and, I think I would just mentioned the because we talked about before this podcast mm-hmm. in the unplanned movie, the yeah. Abby Johnson movie. Yeah, which in a lot of respects it was, it was there was a, good a lot movie. I loved about yeah, that movie. Yeah, but then they had the this this sort of contrast. I guess you had the really nice, sweet sidewalk counselor who didn't say and, anything though. Yeah, those who, ones who, didn't say anything. Who just were there they just to were pray. there praying. Right? And then you had the people, you know, the the radical right wing. Right. Come over here. And, you know, the guy has a huge Bible. You know, of course, it's a big black KJV Bible. He's yelling at the woman, come over here. Don't murder your baby. Talk to me. You know, it's like. And screaming this, and yeah. angry and pumping his fist. And, and then, then the guy, of course, dressed in the Grim Reaper outfit. Right. Did, did you see that? Yeah. In, yeah. In and the, the only crowd? one I've ever seen do that in on our sidewalk is people on the other side. We've never done that, well, but you, I have seen you people You mean the pro-abort people? Yes. Oh, yeah. The yes. pro, pro-abortion people. I mean, they were dressed up. A couple they of weeks do, ago, they're right. dressed up like dinosaurs. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So there's this caricature, mm-hmm. and there's this, and I can understand it from mm-hmm. a pastor's perspective. Sure. I don't want to be associated with that. Right. Um, but the fact is that certainly I, I would say there are some folks that act like that, and there's there's some of that. There are. But there's also really rotten missionaries that do some rotten things, too. Mm-hmm. Do we say, well, I don't want to go in the mission field, and I don't yeah. want to be talking about missions because I don't want to be you know, pegged as, as one of those kind of missionaries or right. whatever, you know? Right. You know, you got your, your, your TV evangelist preachers that all they talk about is money and, and getting— Or healing you know, raising if you money. touch the yeah, television yeah. set. There's fanatics. Yeah. There's crazy, eccentric crazies yeah. in any— movement especially any movement where there's great passion yeah but that should not be what defines the movement and if you don't know um if you've never seen a sidewalk ministry in action or you've never spoken with um pastors maybe who are passionate about speaking about abortion and you don't know how they approach it well maybe it would behoove pastors and others to find out what yeah. responsible and Normal people, yeah, <laughs> who love the Lord e- and either love that, life. or you know, go and start a ministry. Like if you don't like the way that they're doing it, mm-hmm. then then s- seek the Lord and and start a ministry out of your own congregation that would yeah. do it what you perceive to be the right way. Right. You know, one one yeah. guy said very wise man. I, I don't know. Is that you? This, or? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> okay. Who said uh, something to the effect of, "Well, I like the way that I'm doing it better than the way that you're not doing it." So you might be critical of of what I'm doing, okay? But at least I'm doing something. You know, That's at least right. I'm out there, and, yeah. and, and 
you know, we can be critical of other people doing things like, wow, I would not do it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, then come and show me how you would do it, you mm-hmm. know? Show me, uh, and certainly as a ministry and as the director of this ministry, I'm always open to pastors giving me feedback on, right. okay, what could we do better, you know? Yeah. As long as it's, as long as you can give me scripture. It's biblical. Yeah, yeah, as long as you give mm-hmm. me scripture, and if you just give me some opinion of man and some you know business model or something like that, I could really care less. But if you give me scripture and, and show me in the scripture where something that I'm doing is off base and it doesn't honor the Lord, mm-hmm. man, I'm I'm I'll be the first to thank you and then correct that thing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you know, as pastors, if we don't you know if we don't want to be associated with a caricature of something. First of all, more than likely, that caricature is is incorrect, especially if you're being fed that from the world, right? right? Can you yeah. trust the world to give a good and accurate representation of the people of God? No, right. no, not really. Um, so don't don't believe that. But even if those caricatures are true, then then be an example of what is right, what is wholesome, mm-hmm. what honors mm-hmm. the Lord in that realm of ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what attracted me so much to our ministry, to Cities for Life, was that um, I loved the pleading aspect of it, which I felt followed the heart of God. It struck me as how Jesus would approach yeah. um, this sort of ministry, were, were he to do this sort of ministry. Um, I, di- I didn't... Um, hear a tone of condemnation, but of a true desire to help guide people in a biblical way back to God yeah. and to um, the love of, of their child. Um, so there are ministries, I know firsthand, there are ministries that um, that are very biblically gospel-y fo- gospel-focused, and, um, and I, would, I would really encourage pastors to go out and find those and come and 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 seek out those different ministries and and support them because we do need support yeah um okay here's one um i feel inadequate to address the issue of abortion yeah it's probably true you probably are (laughs) yeah Yeah. i I feel inadequate (laughs) well the apostle paul i believe just in the first couple of chapters of uh first corinthians where he's talking about, he says, I ain't going to be able to quote it exactly, but he says, uh, talking about the proclamation of the gospel and those who are believers, he says, to some we are the fragrance of death leading to death, and some we are the fragrance of life leading to life. And so he's talking about how some people accept the gospel and receive us as ministers of the gospel well, and some people reject the gospel and reject us as ministers. And then he says, who is sufficient for these things? So Paul even recognizes the great Apostle Paul, who all of us want to be like when we grow up. If anyone is sufficient, <laughs> yeah. he yeah. should be sufficient. So he says, who is sufficient for right. these things? Recognizing right. that our sufficiency is not in and of ourselves and based on our own wisdom, but our sufficiency comes from Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we, and this is a mountainous issue to address. There's no doubt about it because the issue of abortion affects individuals. It kills individual lives. It affects individual women and men, mm-hmm. but it also is a national sin where the innocent blood of these children is, is as a nation, we're guilty for. A massive so, sin that, that one in four people uh, have yeah. had an abortion is what the, the or one in four women yeah. have had an abortion. And who I would say, this is the number one moral issue of our day. Yeah. So it's a mountainous issue to address, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't let the, the, you know, God moves mountains, right? Yeah. We shouldn't let the, the fact that this is a big issue and a mountainous issue make us shy back from addressing the issue. What we need to do as pastors is press into God and ask God, how do I address this issue? 
because no one, at least I'm not, pretending that it's an easy issue to address Mm -hmm. and that there's somehow uh, a biblical percentage of how often you're to talk about abortion and how often you're not. I don't know what that is, but I do know that as pastors— we're to address the issues that are that are moral issues in our society and in our day. That's that's a mandate. We have to do that. Yeah. Um, and we have to address those issues forthrightly, but also with grace. Mm-hmm. And so, seeking the Lord and trying to figure out, okay, when would God have me to address this issue, and how how deep do I get into this issue? Do you do a series about the sanctity of human life? Do you do you talk about just do a series just about abortion? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that would be very fitting. Um, so yeah, we're not adequate. I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate to be out on the sidewalk at the abortion clinic. Right. If I was adequate in of myself, that would probably be an issue. It, it would, would be. be. Who needs God <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. right? And we Who do. We need Lord. desperately this, need Him. <laughs> I got this figured kind out of, myself. That kind of a counterpoint to this. That well, it, it's not in um, opposition to what you're saying, but just complementing what you're saying is well, if you're inadequate in an area. You know, in the say the facts that you need to know to to be able to address this issue. Well, there's so many resources out there. There oh, is yeah. so much. There is a wealth of information available, and so educate yourself. That's what I did when I I knew nothing really when I when I came six years ago to the sidewalk, and when I didn't know something, I'd Google it or I yeah. you know there was a way to find the information. But the second thing is, and I think it's so important, is that there are ministries devoted to this, devoted to pro-life issues, devoted to sidewalk advocacy. The pastor doesn't need all the answers, but it sure would be good, in my opinion, for the churches to be supporting those ministries, because we we don't have all the answers, but we do have a wealth of experience in dealing with these issues. And, um, And so, but you know, with the support of the church, it, they can be so much more effectively yeah. addressed. And, you know, I think of, you know, locally, I'm certainly willing and have gone to churches and spoken of the issue of abortion, right. yeah. spoke on it, you know, not just from the sidewalk counseling perspective, but just the general perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love Life, our partner ministry, they do that on a regular basis right. where they go and share the tragic truth of abortion yeah. with the uh, um, the congregations in our city. Mm-hmm. But even pregnancy centers go. I yeah. know Plenty of pregnancy-centered directors, Tara, who we had on the podcast uh, some months ago. With Monroe Help. Yeah, with Help Pregnancy, pregnancy Center. Center. Mm-hmm. Has gone and spoken at churches and youth groups and whatever, you know. And so if pastors are looking and saying, well, you know, I'm inadequate to address this issue. And again, yes and amen. Yes, you are. But God mm-hmm. can give you the grace to do it. But maybe that's a charge or that's a that's a, a a time where you need to say, hey, I'll get somebody else to address this issue. I'll yeah. I'll talk to a pregnancy center. I'll talk to another ministry that can come and right. and do a presentation or you know speak for fifteen twenty minutes or you know whatever. Right. However you do that, right. there's other people that can address this issue. Yeah, exactly. So um, so we'll move on to then. I believe this is number four. Okay. Um, and this is a big one. <clears throat> I am afraid I will alienate and drive away women. Who have had abortions. Yeah. Well, you know, the statistic, I think you gave it earlier, one in four women mm-hmm. have had an abortion, yeah. and that translates also into the church. Yeah. So likely in the congregation that you pastors are, are you know, addressing on a weekly basis, there's several women, or at least a couple of women, that have had abortion in their yeah. past. Yeah. 
And some have been, you know, forthright with it, and it's part of their testimony, and they mm-hmm. share that testimony. Mm-hmm. Some haven't shared it with anybody. They're suffering in silence. And yeah. I had read when I was researching for this podcast that 70% of the women who go for an abortion identify as Christians. Yeah. So they're there. They're yeah, sa- we see yeah, it. Certainly. We see it as we stand on the sidewalk. We see the cars drive in with the church stickers yeah. all the time. Yeah. And that's maybe a podcast for another day, but yeah. the reality is that I would say the vast majority of those don't really know the Lord and are not really part of the church anyway. Yeah. However, they are in congregations, mm-hmm. and that is a valid concern. And even from those who, you know, who've been in the congregation for years and have an abortion in their past and haven't shared that, you have to be sensitive mm-hmm. to those issues. Um, you need to be considerate as a shepherd of the sheep, you know, mm-hmm. as the analogy goes from the Scripture. But as I said earlier, you know, as a shepherd, there's wounds that we have to tend to, and they're going to hurt, and it might drive the sheep a little bit away, and, and, and you got to trust God yeah. to, to bring them near. You know, as a doctor, you know, the analogy of a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, a doctor might say something to the effect of, you know, cancer is a big issue. <laughs> it's yeah. probably one of the biggest issues we face. Yeah. And as a doctor, if I talk about cancer, and I've got a patient that has cancer, potentially, you know, I could talk about the risks of cancer if you do this and do that. You know, it might drive people away, and I'm telling might you, might make them feel bad. Yeah, plenty of doctors have addressed and ought to address with their patients smoking and the risks that smoking causes, uh, as far as cancer, lung cancer is concerned. Has that ever driven a, a patient away from a doctor? I, I guarantee you, it has. There have right. been patients yeah. that have said, "I'm not going to that doctor anymore. He talks too much about how I could get lung cancer yeah. or obesity. I'm not going to that doctor anymore. He talks too much about how much I'm eating and mm-hmm. I need to watch my weight because I could get diabetes and all these other things. I don't want to go to that guy anymore because he makes me feel bad, right? <laughs> right? right? But that's what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to address it if he really cares about mm-hmm. his patient. He's going to talk about smoking and the risks that are involved in smoking. He's going to talk about obesity and the risks that are involved in in eating too much and, and, and obesity and not working out and all that because he's a good doctor. In the same yeah. way, a pastor, we have to address these issues. We have to deal with the issue of abortion because it's worse than cancer. Yeah. It, it it spreads and it, it devastates families. It leaves women under oppression and depression. And we have to address the issue, just like a doctor has to address the issue of cancer before he can talk, start talking about surgery and start talking about remedy to this That's issue right. of cancer. That's you know, you right. dealt with that with yeah. breast cancer yeah. uh, some years back, and your yeah. doctor had to give you the whole, the right. cold, hard truth about right. this thing. Yeah. So yeah. that you would be willing to receive the, the remedy. Yeah. And I, I mean, not, none of their motive was make us feel bad. The, yeah. the, the motive is, is to, um, to heal and um, to maybe prevent um, from getting a disease, if you're going with the analogy of the doctor, but in, the tr- in terms of abortion, a congregation is filled of potential abortion-minded women. Yeah. And if no one is speaking about that the Word of God is quite clear that the shedding of innocent blood is an abomination before God and that the unborn child is made in the image of God and has um, intrinsic value based on that. Um, if no one is sharing that, then that women go thinking, well, my church is okay with it. Yeah. They've never said anything against it. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the dangers of silence. 
But a second danger of silence is if the pastor's not talking about abortion, um, then the post-abortive woman who is largely feeling shame and is in this cocoon, well, it's not a cocoon, it's really a, a, um, a prison of, of silence. She's afraid to share yeah. that she has had an abortion and, and the wounds run very deep. And a pastor's silence only contributes yeah. to that feeling that this is a taboo Yeah, it's a taboo. Subject. Hey, the pastor never talks about it, therefore I should never talk about it. And, and, it I, stays, and I'm, I'm yeah. justified in feeling all of this shame and self-condemnation. And, um, and it will never heal unless that sin is recognized, first of all, as a sin, um, is confessed, is repented and turned from, and then is given to the Lord, yeah. and He will He will take that burden yeah. um, away from us. But not not if there's silence. None of that healing is going to happen. At least not the spiritual healing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if as a pastor, you know that that's our chief desire that the healing that God offers. Yeah, Le, for you the know, problem it, of sin is 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 introduced and accepted. You know by those who are listening. Right. Know? Um, an example is just from today, um, uh, out on the sidewalk, there, a woman stopped on, on her way into the abortion center, and, um, and I handed her information thinking she was there for an abortion, and she was very honest and said, I'm, I'm not pregnant, that she, she already had the abortion. Yeah. And I said, well, how are you feeling? How are you dealing with it? And she said, oh, I'm good. And she's just smiling. And I said, honey... I don't think you're good. I'm, I'm post-abortive, and I know the aftermath of abortion. And she teared up and took my post-abortive information that we handed her, and just instantly her demeanor changed. Yeah. Um, so she could carry on this veneer of, of feeling that she was good, but as soon as the issue was brought up, she melted, and I immediately went to yeah. a discussion of confession, forgiveness, turning to God, and that I would talk to her any time. And so I hope, I hope she will call me, but, but that's where healing begins, when that silence is lifted. Yeah. You know, the analogy of a doctor, again, mm-hmm. is if you're dealing with a wound and you're dealing with something that's, you know, it's underlying, it's, it's not very evident this wound is kind of covered up and it's covered up you know however it's covered up but the infection is not dealt with it gets worse and it can ultimately lead to death right in the same way with the issue of abortion this is a deep wound that needs to be addressed it needs to be um some antiseptic the gospel antiseptic applied to it yeah but if it just stays covered up and it's not dealt with it's going to fester and there's gonna be all kinds of destruction that comes Uh, from that wound. And look at what the world is saying, though, about abortion. The The pro-choice side is saying it's normal. Yeah. It's okay. There is no aftermath, no consequences. Right. And so here's this woman suffering in silence. Her pastor's not talking about it. The world, her, she's not daring to share it with anyone. Yeah. And she knows that's not true. Right. She knows she, knows a, she doesn't it's, it's feel normal. Yeah. She knows she's wounded, and she feels this guilt that she doesn't know what to do with because there's yeah. no one. Yeah, and it's almost to like a, a guilt of well, I shouldn't be feeling guilty. Like these 
Everybody says it's normal. So so I'm abnormal. I'm completely out out of the norm here. There's people shouting their abortions. So why am I not? Why is that not what I'm feeling? Yeah. And if there's our our spiritual heads, the, the pastors in our churches, if they're not telling them this is wrong and there is a path to forgiveness and healing, but we have to recognize it's wrong first, then, you know, they then they'll go on suffering in silence yeah. and to worse and worse um, consequences. Yeah, yeah. So um, those were the top five okay. in in this one. Let's see if there's some other ones. Um, I do not want to be seen as confrontational. Is what one pastor, yeah, rep- or several pastors apparently reported as yeah. being why they don't talk about it. Yeah, and of course, again, this is a this is a controversial issue, obviously. Mm-hmm. And anything that's controversial, when you mention it, you're viewed as confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sense, in, anytime you're addressing sin, you are confronting evil, and there is a confrontation that takes place. But, you know, as pastors and as, as ministers of the gospel, if we don't deal with the issue of sin, not just abortion, but any other sin, if we don't talk about sin, we are derelict in our duty as pastors. We have to talk about sin because sin is the issue. Mm-hmm. It, all of the ills of society, all the problems that are going on in the congregation and the things in their past that they're dealing with that they need healing from are rooted in sin. And so we don't address sin, then we're not addressing the main issue of separation between God and man. You know, there's sort of this, <laughs> it irks me. Now, in one sense, it's true, okay? Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of Christian preaching and Christian uh, uh, music and all that stuff, and centered around this idea is that people don't know how much God loves them. And if they only knew how much God loves them, how much they were valued by God, and how special they are to God, and how wonderful they are in God's sight. Okay, I'm going a little far with it, but you, you get what I'm saying. I got it. It's yep. like it's focused on that. Mm-hmm. People don't go to hell because they don't know how much God loves them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People don't end up in hell and on destructive paths because they don't understand how wonderful they are to God. People go to hell because of their sin. That's mm-hmm. why they go to hell. Mm-hmm. God puts people in hell because they are sinners mm-hmm. who love their sin. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the love of God, and we should, but the love of God is only fully seen in light of our our reprobation against God. Because otherwise, <laughs> there's no reason why He shouldn't love us, right? <laughs> yeah. But but the fact that He loves us despite the fact that we're and, sinners, and that <laughs> in that is the the love of God displayed in right. that we were yet sinners. Right. Christ died for us, right. and so our sin and our depravity and our departure from the truth. And yet God's willingness to come and to rescue and to save is a magnificent display of the love of God. And in that, people have confidence in God's love, that God would come and and rescue me in the midst of my depravity. So anyway, I say that to say that we need to talk about the issue of sin. We need to talk about the issue of abortion and other sins so that people can actually see the love of God on display and his mercy towards sinners. Yeah, and uh, and that's an important that's an important job for for every pastor. Yeah, I can't. I I don't know any pastor who can effectively pastor a church without confronting. Yeah, without being confrontational. Now you can well, do it in a loving way. Yeah, but um, you know, if you, so who's our example ultimately? Well, Jesus. Jesus and, is and, our and, example. Oh, did Jesus ever mention sin? I think he did <laughs> quite a few times. As a matter of fact, <laughs> oftentimes Jesus was very confrontational mm-hmm. and uh, confronted, of course, the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. 
But he was not just, you know, he, he confronted, you know, we look at John chapter 4 at the story of the woman at the well. Yeah. And she comes and approaches him and she's wanting water. And, you know, he says, if you would ask me, I could give you living water. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, I want to get this water anyway. You know the story. But he doesn't just leave it there. You know, listen, woman, you know, I love you a whole lot. I just love you and you're special to me and all of that. Being a little silly, you get what I'm saying. But <laughs> he talks about her sin. Like yeah. he's pointing out to her. He says, okay. Go call your husband here. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, oh, yeah, you, you spoke right. You have had five husbands, and the guy <laughs> you're with now is not even your husband. He's calling out her sin. Yeah, He's not just hugging her and telling her how much he loves her. Now, of course, he does display mm-hmm. the love of God and all mm-hmm. of that. And, and, uh, and it seems like that whole area, people came uh, to Jesus and heard his teaching, and she proclaimed, you know, she ultimately receives the truth of who this guy is. Mm-hmm. But he talks about her sin. In the same way, you know, in John, I think it's John chapter 10, with the woman that was caught in adultery, mm-hmm. what does he tell her? He doesn't say, you know, after, you know, you guys know the story, so I don't need to retell it, but mm-hmm. all the accusers had left. He doesn't say, oh, so where are your accusers? Well, just remember, I love you. Right. You know? No, right. he says, go and sin no more. Right. He talks about sin. Yeah. Even to, because we might imagine Jesus is very harsh with the Pharisees, but he's very soft with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that, in one sense, is true. Mm-hmm. But he does talk about sin. Mm-hmm. And he does talk about sin with the woman at the well, with the woman caught in adultery. He talks about sin with his own apostles. Mm-hmm. He talks about their sin of wanting to be you know, the first in the kingdom of God and wanting to sit beside him on his throne. He talks about that sin of selfishness and, mm-hmm. and self-promotion. And so Jesus is always addressing the issue of sin. Yes. Jesus is now and was then a very confrontational person, mm-hmm. but he is very gracious in his mm-hmm. confrontation. Yeah. And that's key. Except for the whip of cords incident. And that was once, right? (laughs) Actually twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems seems to happen twice. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, and pastors are trained, presumably, (laughs) to be gracious Mm -hmm. in how they they confront sin, but they they certainly need to confront sin. Well, you know, I hear a lot of times, you know, we need to speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. And what that basically means is we need to be nice to people. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Mm-hmm. But we again, we can't let the world dict- dictate to us what it means to be speaking the truth in love. Like speaking the truth is love for some people who are in sin, dead in their trespasses and sins, or at least in bondage to past sins, even though they're Christians. This is kind of mostly what we're talking about is Christians in the congregation who are born of God, and yet they have this sin in their past that they've not yeah. brought before the Lord, at least in, in any kind of a, a a public in a healing way we or, need or or they're sitting there contemplating abortion it could be yes sure and so we need to address this issue for the sake of healing and restoration and for the sake of love right. love is an action word and as pastors if we're going to love our congregants we need to be talking about the issues that affect them and abortion is one of those and we know it statistically that one out of four women are affected by the issue of abortion so yeah. we've got to address the thing even if we're viewed as confrontational. Yeah. So uh, kind of a similar um, issue uh, raised by some other pastors. I do not want to drive away anyone who has had an abortion or who has been directly touched by abortion. Yeah, and that's sort of similar to the you know, the, the confrontation thing and, and right. some of the previous things. You know, yeah. I don't want to alienate anyone. And you know, I get it. Valid concern, but again, just like a doctor, he doesn't want to drive patients away, so does he refuse to talk about cancer or obesity or whatever? Of course not, because right. it's his job to address these issues so that they can be dealt with. 
Yeah. Um, how about uh, my fellow pastors are not talking about this topic either? Yeah. Wow. That pastors actually (laughs) said that that was um, that's a main reason why they don't, because they feel like they'd be alone in discussing the topic. Sometimes you have to stand out in a crowd, don't you? (laughs) Sometimes you have to be the one who's addressing the things that other people aren't. Sounds a little bit like the prophets, Mm -hmm. the apostles, Jesus. (laughs) You know, sometimes you have to be the guy that's addressing. The issue that no one else wants to talk about, um, because again, it's the heart of God to to get these things out. You know, the motivation. And listen, if it comes from a, some self righteous motivation, or I want to talk about abortion, and I talk about abortion all the time because I've never had one and been a part of one, and it makes me feel more spiritual. Well, that would be a problem. Yeah. That's probably not the case with most right. pastors. They're right. they're shying away from it because they don't want to alienate and isolate, and and they don't want to stand out <laughs> in a crowd of of you know pastors that are addressing issues. Um, yeah, but that's a like, really good point that that every prophet and Jesus himself were were reviled, yeah, and um and rejected by men. Yeah, well, and, Jesus said if they rejected me, they're going to reject you as right, well. Right. The motivation in again is not like I want to be rejected, yeah. so let me go completely over the top with yeah. my proclamation of this particular truth. No, we address it in biblical terms in a biblical framework. But again, the world. The world's going to view us as nuts anyway. I and mean, we're talking about this eternal God who exists in three persons, who came to this earth, laid down his life to die for our sins and rose from the grave. The world thinks that, like the Bible says, mm-hmm. that gospel, the preaching of the cross, is foolishness mm-hmm. to those who are perishing. Mm-hmm. You know, the world does when they call the preaching of the cross and the pre- preaching of the truth of God foolishness, is they just validate the scripture, actually, because right. the Bible yeah. says that they would call it foolishness. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we can't fall into the trap and the snare of, of the fear of man and let the world dictate to us the things that we talk about. We can address issues, and there are plenty, of, and this is an, uh, an admonishment I want to give to anyone who is listening, whether it be a pastor that's listening or a congregant who wants to talk to your pastor about addressing the issue of abortion, is that there are plenty of pastors out there on the Internet that have, that mm-hmm. have very graciously and forthrightly addressed this issue. I mean, if you search abortion, what does the Bible say about abortion? Mm-hmm. You're going to find, you know, John Piper is one of those guys who mm-hmm. you almost, like the first three articles on that, you know, in that Google search are going to be from him. And then you're going to find plenty of other pastors that have addressed this issue and even messages you can listen to that will kind of give you an idea of, of how to go about this issue. If you haven't or, you know, if you're a congregant and you want your pastor to address this issue, find some messages from some pastors that have and, and pass it along to your pastor and say, hey, this pastor, and quite likely he's it's a pastor that your pastor listens to or reads his books or whatever, hey, this pastor addressed this issue. Maybe maybe you could address this thing, yeah. you know? I know there's, I'm sure there's pressure on pastors to grow your church and to have your congregation like you um, and uh, and to invite all their friends. Um, So I, I, you know, and some of that is is good. Um, But if it's the motivation (laughs) for whether you speak about a sin or not, then... It's not good at all. No, it's not. Um, and, it's like, and what a what a lousy. <laughs> I'm sorry. What a what a lousy excuse is that I don't want to I don't want to be looked at as as 
a negative person or whatever. Right. Like, or my church might, I my might, there church. might be less attendance or whatever. Yeah. You know, that, my, yeah, that was church never. church attendance might go down. That's not <laughs> biblical. That's well, not it's biblical. biblical. As a matter of fact, Jesus, a story comes to mind in the life of Jesus in John chapter 6. Okay. <laughs> it's almost like Jesus goes out of his way to thin down his congregation. And this is a point where you know, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. It's like Jesus knew who he was talking to. He was talking to Jews uh-huh. who had, you know, abhorred pagan practices, and they would be viewing, you know, eating flesh and drinking blood would be a pagan practice that they would have abhorred. Right. Now, Jesus is not validating those practices, but he is in a hyperbical way making a point and trying to separate out those who truly wanted to, to, to know him and truly wanted to hear from him. He says at one point, you know, you're coming to me just because you ate of the bread. This is after he'd multiplied the the bread Mm -hmm. and the fish. Mm -hmm. And he says, but I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And then so many fell away. (laughs) Yeah, it says at one point, um, it says many, many stopped following him. Yeah. And uh, and they said, this is a hard saying, Lord, who can receive? So he gave them a hard saying. He made it hard for them to receive, to judge the motivation of their heart. Right. And then, this is funny to me, he looks at his disciples, the 12 who you know, had left everything to follow him. He looks at them and says, are you guys going to leave too? So he wasn't like, oh, are you guys going to leave? Oh, no. No, he was like, it, it, the way I see it in the scripture, he's looking at them and saying, you guys can hit the road too if you want. Like, yeah. if this is too tough for you, you can hit the road too. Because <laughs> Jesus was not concerned about pleasing men. He was concerned about obeying and pleasing his Father in heaven. And, and as, saving souls, and you're not going to save souls unless you confront what is sick in the soul. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is sin. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there can always be, you know, a, um, I, I don't know, taking it too far, right? Mm-hmm. Taking things too far where, you know, maybe a pastor, that all he talks about is sin, 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 sin. And I think, you know, every message, at least this is my opinion, you should be addressing sin, issues of sin and, and, and whatever, but it doesn't need to be a hyper-focus on sin all the time. People do need to understand the love of God. People do need to understand the covenant that God has made with man. People do need to understand a lot of truths about, um, about God and about his word. Right. Um, so it's not just talking about sin constantly. You can go overboard and, and yeah. the hellfire brimstone all the time yeah. preaching. Um, you know, messages about hell all the time can be a little overwhelming for people. As right? <laughs> can be a message just um, calling out the wrong of abortion to women entering an abortion clinic, and that is tempered by good sidewalk counselors, always tempered by offers of hope and help, yeah. especially hope, the hope in Christ and the hope of actually the tangible resources that can help alleviate whatever situation it is that they're facing. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the Lord, yeah, I would just encourage every pastor and every every person who is, uh, you know, obviously you're listening to this podcast because this issue is near and dear to your heart. And I know there's some, because I hear a lot of times, my pastor's not talking about this thing. Yeah. My pastor's not addressing this issue. Yeah. And I'll say, pray for your pastor. Yeah. Because there is some pressure here, and there mm-hmm. is some temptation to not address this issue uh, at all or as often as, as you ought to um, because of some of these these things, yeah. which, you know, they're not all completely invalid. Some of them are pretty miserable <laughs> excuses. But pray for your pastor. And 
you know, talk to him. Like I said earlier, get some articles, print out some articles, uh, email some articles, mm-hmm. some messages where pastors talking about it. There's mm-hmm. plenty of good stuff out there. Yeah. Um, you can email us. You can email me, and I'll, I'll try to shoot over some some uh, videos your way from YouTube or whatever that could encourage anybody who's listening to uh, and something you can share with your pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, but pray for your pastor encourage your pastor in this area and uh and maybe you can be that point person within your congregation who that's right you know who makes those connections with sidewalk counseling ministries with pregnancy resource center ministries or or whatever that is uh but with that you know i think we ought to wrap this thing up yeah what do you think yeah yeah so we appreciate those who who do listen um and as we all, as we always do, we encourage you to contact us. Reach out to me, D Parks at Cities, Cities and the Number Four Life dot com, and V Cassiorg at Cities for Life dot com. If you want to connect with Vicky, and maybe you know you are thinking about starting a uh, sidewalk counseling ministry in your local congregation. You're not from our area, so you can't connect with us as Cities for Life, but you can start out of your own congregation a sidewalk counseling ministry. That's what the Sidewalks for Life website is all about. Life.com. It's there to uh, equip and mm-hmm. to encourage. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're here. You can email us and, and we'll do the best we can to encourage you and maybe connect you with others who are in your area who are doing. There's actually a map on that website where you can connect with other sidewalk counselors that are not necessarily people that we know. They've just somehow, I don't know how we got the information, right. we put it on a map and you can search right. your area. Mm-hmm. But, um, but th- those resources, that resource is there to encourage you guys. And this podcast is here to encourage you guys and we do appreciate you uh, listening to us, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to talking again soon. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you